This episode of The Boys is called Good for the Soul, and I'm assuming that they mean Jesus, but I'm assuming also that that could also mean, like, chicken soup. I hear that's good for the soul. Love is all over this episode. Love and sexuality, those are the main, like, things that I noticed just kept happening and there were parallels to things like that. However, also, this is Vought's very bad no-good day. At the end of this, it looks like Madame Vought has visibly aged with all the bullshit that's been happening. The optics, Vought optics are fucking terrible. Which, going into, hey, we want to be soldiers, not the best look. A-Train hit his girlfriend in Cuba. A-Train is like, hey, look, just tell me what's going on. And Madame Vought would let us be a couple. You just gotta tell me who you told about the compound V. And then she tells him. Then he gives her a look at the flowers, look at the rabbits kind of speech about how they first met and how great it was. And when you hear somebody gearing up with a speech like that, it's like, ah, you're going to kill her. That's cool, I guess. It's not cool. It sucks. I liked Popclaw and I thought that she was the victim of a bunch of shitty circumstances. And then he just comes back and puts all of the heroin into her veins. I'm not the biggest expert on heroin, but I'm assuming you don't shove all of the needles in at once. <laughs> how did you put all the needles in you? You come to the crime scene and you're like, so she had, what, three needles in each arm? How did she manage that with two hands? But who cares? I'm sure somebody here has been bribed to say whatever. I'm sure the palms have been greased. A-Train makes enough money that he can just bribe anybody, especially somebody in, like, a Cuban police force. So, you know, fuck it. You know, it's been, it's a heroin overdose. It's a damn shame. Unfortunately, Popclaw is dead, which sucks, because I really like her. Homelander talks to A-Train afterward. This is actually, apparently, Homelander's idea. And he's like, you know what? Whenever something like this happens, come to me. We're family. And when he tells him this, like, I love you speech, it really sounds like he's also about to kill A-Train. That little speech is like, I'm going to look at the flowers, look at the bunnies, yo ass. Um, if you guys are not familiar with look at the flowers, that's a reference to uh, The Walking Dead, where um, someone pretty much got lennied. It's fucked up. Like, after that speech, A-Train even looked a little bit unsettled. And I was like, yeah, bitch, you better be unsettled. I'm unsettled. Frenchie is cooking the shit out of some chicken. It's not chicken soup, but I mean, it's for it's good for the soul. Look at that shit. And so I'm like, damn, Frenchie is a jack of all trades because he's over here cooking the shit out of some chicken. And I'm assuming, you know, you've been on the run for a while. You have to learn how to cook. But the dude is cooking like he's in a, a Michelin star restaurant. So we go to the Jesus Fest. Annie's like, my mom is a deadhead, but for Jesus. And she goes across the country going to these little events. So I got to know a lot of the people here and it feels like home. It feels familiar. Only a lot of things don't. She's starting to realize now that she kind of has a clearer head about her. Like she's gone to the big city and she's seen some shitty grimy shit. And she's had enough time away from this kind of thing to go, huh, this is not right. And she looks at a sign that's like, hey, you know what? Fucking be gay at your own peril. Maybe because she's a girl, she hasn't been had that drilled into her brain. But maybe like the all boys child groups and teenager groups are usually it's beaten into their brains. But they assume women. <laughs> it doesn't say anything about lesbians in the Bible, silly. She wasn't beaten over the head with it as a child. I'm not sure. But like, how do you not notice something like that? How is being gay is bad uh, not drilled into you regardless as a kid going to these kind of things? I don't know. I'm I'm alien completely to this kind of thing. Like, we grew up in a Baptist family, but we didn't really take it too seriously. Jesus Fest, where it's kind of like a convention, it's really an interesting 
like idea to me. It's a really interesting thing to watch from the from an, as an outsider going, huh? And the thing is, like, I get it. You can have this for any interest. Hey, I really like retro video games, retro video game convention. You know, stuff like this is they have stuff like this for everything. I went to a convention once, and there was a dentist's convention taking place at the same time. You know what? There's conventions for everything, but this is like a, not just a convention, but also a music festival. Which I, I mentioned before, like, yeah, they're going to be singing. It's going to be, it's like a Christian rock concert, you know, acoustic guitars, heavy metal, burn in heaven. She sees things now for the first time and she's like, I don't remember all of this shit. This is weird. This is good for Annie a little bit, at least, because it gives her some sort of normality. Also, uh, Annie was allowed, are, are they not merciful, to wear her more conservative costume. The one with her lips hanging out is not a good look for Jesus. And it's like, considering you are marketing her as the Jesus superhero... Maybe she should always wear this costume. This is just a front. And Annie doesn't like that it's just a front. Annie's mom also is like, I'm in this for me. Annie's mom apparently has always been this kind of person. We should have known the kind of person Annie's mother was when she's, when Annie said that she went to like Little Miss superhero pageants. That she is only doing this to relive her own life through her daughter. You know, she makes her get on stage and she's like, you, you don't embarrass me. I've heard the Don't Embarrass Me story like a hundred billion times, but never to this extent. Like, this is cold, especially since Annie had a different view of her mother up to this point. It seems like this is the turning point for all of her former beliefs. Like, it just comes crashing down. Like, if we want to talk about the Bible, the walls of Jericho. Huey gets his boys into the Jesus Fest. They're like, okay, you have to use your girlfriend. And he's like, oh, fuck, I hate doing that. Great. Anyway, use her to get really expensive tickets to go and see the stretchy guy that runs this place. Because remember, in episode two, we saw the stretchy guy making out with a bunch of dudes. It's the typical, you know, pray the gay away person is the one that's actually gay. And they're just using this as a front. With the price of those tickets, he is in it for the money. It's kind of like when you see televangelists with fucking jet planes. And they're like, I need your donation stuff to fuel my jet plane. Jesus. So send in those donations. I need another swimming pool for Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to put it on my taxes as a baptismal pool. Also, they're like, they like the tax breaks that being, uh, you know, it's real fucked up to see these people used like this by assholes like, you know, stretchy guy. Maeve has unlocked trauma. I'm sure Maeve was also dealing with a lot, but she, again, she told Annie, you got to fucking put on a brave face and shove that shit way down. So she's been doing this. And the problem with doing this, you're like a uh, build a bear and you get stuffed with too much stuffing, eventually you're gonna tear at the seams. And she goes to what I assume is her ex-girlfriend's house and just kind of breaks down and is like, I can't do it anymore. Mavis by? That's awesome, good for her. But I feel bad for her girlfriend. And the girlfriend was like, look, you were allowed to move on, but I can't move on from you. You're fucking everywhere. In order for her ex to get over Maeve, she'd have to like join the Amish community in order to not constantly be beaten over the head with the existence of Maeve. So I get that. But like, you know what? I'm glad she was there for her because Maeve really needs somebody right now. This this whole thing is really weighing on her conscience and it should. I still feel bad for her, but you kind of, you're, you're an accessory to the murder of over 100 people. That sucks, but it's not wrong. And Homelander's like, hey, I know you feel bad about that, but don't let their lives go to waste. Let's use their deaths for something positive. And she's like, Jesus, fuck, I gotta, I gotta go. And you start to feel really bad for me. Like, I feel bad for her, but at the same time, she couldn't just get out of that scot-free. We also see uh, another thing that Annie is not really chill with, is she has this little, this meeting with the teenagers, and a hot priest, I gotta say it, the priest was very attractive. (laughs) They're in this tent talking to the teenagers who are asking questions, how do I brainwash my friend? 
And the preacher's like, tell her the good news. And it's like, listen, don't do that. Like, I get that the book tells you to do that. But at the same time, maybe people will respect you and your religion if you respect them and their religion. And Annie is like, hey, I don't, I don't like that. That's fucked up. Don't do that. It, it, that's how Annie feels, but she's not allowed to say anything because the priest keeps giving her side eye every time she says anything. She said that she was in a relationship with this with a hero named Drummer Boy. I, I suppose he's a, a hero because Drummer Boy definitely sounds like a superhero name. What's Drummer Boy's powers? I need to know. What about premarital sex, Annie? And Annie's like, oh, <laughs> I'm a virgin. She says out loud so that the priest can hear. And as she looks at the priest in the corner of her eye, like, I, I'm, I'm a virgin and I am saving myself till marriage. And the priest is like, whew, yes, <laughs> praise the Lord. And she feels bad lying to these teenagers because she's like, she's probably thinking about herself in their shoes. Like, man, what would I want to hear if I was them? They, they sound really curious and confused. And the thing that they want to hear is the fucking truth, not being fed, spoon fed the shit you want them to believe, but maybe shit that they need to hear for their lives, right? Being a teenager is the worst because you're confused and you have all these feelings. You don't know what the fuck's going on. And all you need is somebody competent to come to you and be like, okay, this is how it is. But no. These teenagers are getting get lied to. That sucks. Also, Annie's probably conflicted because lying is a sin, right? Lying is a sin on the fucking big board of 10 sins that you should not do. <laughs> and I'm just doing that left, right, and center. And I just broke one of the big cardinal rules. What gives? And the preacher's like, look, we're doing it for a good cause. She's really like feeling disenfranchised and bummed out. And he was like, hey, oh, I know you're hurting. Can I get free tickets? And she's like, okay, fuck. Wow. Okay, great. Yeah, sure. Fuck it. Here. And then she leaves. Man, read the room, Huey. But Huey has a job to do. He's he's only at this event to do this, you know? And and because Anne, because Annie probably needed also some support was what she thought, but it looks like no, this motherfucker's just using me to go talk to the big to the big guy. And uh, we have Homelander finally arriving. And Homelander's also a good old boy from the Midwest or the South or whatever. Homelander is one of these guys that are Homelander's from some kind of rural area, just because of the way he talks about these people as like his people. And he's like, look, these people are not gonna wanna hear the bullshit. They don't want to hear this scripted garbage. I, I know what they want. Mommy, I don't like what you want me to say. This is poop and I don't like it. And she's like, well, you know, man up and do it. Be a big boy. Read the fucking thing I gave you to read. And he's like, but no, but you don't get it, mom. You don't understand me. And she's like, handle your business. He's giving the evil eye to a baby. <laughs> and he's probably thinking like, I never wanted a little brother. Anyway, this fucking sucks. And he goes back and he's like, fuck it. I'm going to say what I want. Fire and brimstone. Fire and blood. <laughs> he's over here telling everybody he's going to fucking start blowing the final trumpets and giving justice to the rest of the world. Madame Vaught is like, Jesus, fuck. Oh, no. What the fuck? Also, the fact that um, Madame Vaught is taking her son to the doctor and she's like, look, I've been try I've been putting this off for a while. and He needs to go to the doctor. I'm just thinking maybe he needs to get vaccinated. Not with the normal stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. Vaccinated for polio. But also... Fill him full of the good shit. I want to see another superhero baby because you already got one superhero baby. It's the fucking Homelander. She wants a superhero baby that's her own. We find out some stuff about the butcher's backstory and it's like, oh, that wasn't the chick that he was hanging out with. That wasn't government lady he was laying with. That was a life he used to have. And that was his former wife who we find out is missing, is dead thanks to superheroes. 
who knows? But we find out really the really sad, tragic backstory, a little bit of it anyway, of the butcher. And you start to kind of sympathize with him, but he's still, you know, he, he because of what's happened to him, he's hardened and has a one-track mind that's kind of really shitty. A-Train finds a surveillance bear and finds out a lot about Popclaw, including the fact that she killed the dude and that she was threatened by a bunch of people. One of the people whose face got on camera is Frenchie, so now he's being hunted down. And the Deep is in trouble because the dolphin is on the news. Remember, he's a spokesperson from that place he stole the dolphin from. Now the dolphin is like canned meat on the side of the road. So he is in trouble. Then we get the main event. The best moment of this episode, I, I think. One of the best moments of the episode was when Annie was like, Listen, I'm really not happy about the indulgences that the priests are getting paid so i'm gonna nail this 10 page treatise to the door of this convention all this shit is fucked up i believe but this whole thing is fucked up she reads them the riot act and it's really awesome and huey sta starts giving her like you know one of those uh, slow claps that usually lead into a big applause it doesn't work he wasn't trying to do that anyway he was like that's how he fucking genuinely felt i felt that way too it wasn't just huey clapping i was clapping also you know what fuck it huey tells her the truth and they have a really nice heart to heart then uh we find out about the babies being injected with super juice superheroes they aren't born like they don't have an x gene they are made in a laboratory and it makes you think about annie's mom a little bit and i start thinking about it too like ah Annie's mom went to any lengths to live vicariously through her daughter. That includes probably spending a ton of money getting her daughter injected with Compound V when she was a baby. Also, I love that they use this baby to as a weapon. And <laughs> that was the best part of the episode. The baby being used as a fucking laser gun. And the baby like starts to run out of ammo. He just shakes the baby and it's like, no, don't shake the baby. Oh, okay. It worked. But yeah, Madame Vaught, like I said before, she has visibly aged. We have three of her heroes going rogue and doing their own fucking thing and fucking shit up when they're trying to get the senators to get them in the military. If I'm a senator, after seeing the fire and brimstone speech from Homelander, I'm scared. After seeing Annie just kind of like burn bridges as far as optics go, you're like, oh, that's not going to look good if we hire her. The Bible Belt's not going to be happy about that. And then you have the deep killing a dolphin. So like every section of the population is probably going, yeah, I don't want these people in the military. Oh my God. Did you see how they misbehaved in like a day? Action speaks louder than words. And all Homelander has had is words. And, all, and they were undone by action after action after action the next day. He kind of goes out there and stares at uh, Madame Vaughn. And she's like, dude, I know you're out there. You're always out there. Stop being weird. Come on in. Come get some sugar for mommy. Mommy's sorry she had to not pay as much attention to you. Mommy will give you the nipple if you're a good boy and behave. And I was like, man, this is gross and creepy. But the, the analogy of, you know, he is a big baby with superpowers is, yeah. Yeah, he is. They send one of the seven. So they send Snake Eyes, who has ninja powers. So I was like, oh my god, it is Snake Eyes. So they send Snake Eyes after Frenchie. And Murder Girl protects him. And I lose my shit. I'm like, yes, Murder Girl, let's get it. And then she gets, like, disemboweled. Ain't No Sunshine starts playing. And those combination of things got me a little choked up. I was like, no, not, not Murder Girl. We loved Murder Girl. This fucking sucks. And then she starts to heal. And I'm like, she's X-23? Yes, bitch, she's X-23. I'm a big fan of, like, the original X-23. Like, X-23 now, where she's more normal. I'm a bigger fan of Primal X-23 because it was a cool new take on the Wolverine kind of story. The uh, Also, Ain't No Sunshine, the song kind of implies that, yeah, this person is gone, but they eventually do come back. But when they are gone, it's a bummer. 
the song kind of um, lets you know, even though it's a really sad song, it kind of soothes you a little bit. Like, it's okay, she'll be back. And she was, and I was like, thank God. So yeah, that was The Boys. Now it's time for WandaVision. Whoever came up with WandaVision deserves like a trophy of some sort. This show is fun and kind of creepy. It feels like an episode of Black Mirror, but it's Marvel. It has a cute little opening. The aspect ratio is appropriate for the show. So, cause I was watching, I was like, this is not even in widescreen. It's fantastic. They got all the little details of a show like this right. And I bet doing all these fun old school special effects, and I'm using air quotes there, are just a fucking hoot for everybody involved. Make those things float using bullshit and tricks with reversing the camera and stuff. It's a very fun black and white show. And I'm so glad that they got the actress that plays Kitty from that 70s show because she looks like all the time. She looks and sounds like she came out of this era. And it's a good recognizable face for her the past that we can recognize so that in our brains that triggers shorthand for yes she belongs here this makes sense and i think that that was a good choice the neighbor is like my favorite character on planet earth like she comes over and she's just the best gal pal i wish i lived next door to this neighbor not only does she have to, she has cosmopolitans the latest ones to help you with your man trouble with all types of outdated advice which are all fun and silly she has just the ability to do anything like this woman is magic in and of herself like i want to know what her story is ralph is the worst it's like why do you stay with ralph and it's probably because you know ralph provides her with stability and stuff like that but i love the neighbor she is my absolute favorite character and i aspire to be more like her in the future if more people aspire to be like the neighbor the world would be a better place if we were all more like wanda's neighbor vision goes to work and he just works he does computing and it's like well what do we do here you know we fill out papers and stuff we compute things and it seems like that's all the entire company does. I love that he came through the front door, checked in, got hired to a place where he has no idea what they do. It's so fun. It's a, such a fun gag. The whole show is fun up until the end where shit, it starts to get real. Even the fake commercial was fun when they were like, oh, the new Stark toaster can toast a pie. I was like, yeah, right. But then when you look at the toaster, it has like a bottom drawer. Did these kind of toasters actually exist? Was that a thing? Because we need to bring those back. Like a toaster with a little toaster oven built in. This one is a Stark toaster oven. So there's probably, it's probably powered by nuclear power and new elements. And that means that pie is going to come out just as good as the day it was baked. So I'm interested in one of these uh, toaster ovens. You, you sold one to me. The commercials, just the way it's shot too, is so fucking good. When you watch like old Superman uh, shows, you get like commercials like this where it's just a person and there's a table and they're really close to a wall and it's like a kid eating cereal. But who's the commercial for? Does Wanda and Vision know that there's commercials? The neighbor comes up with a fucking whole five course dinner plan in like five minutes, brings all the recipe cards over, brings all the ingredients. She just has two lobsters laying around in her house that she just brought over that Ralph won't miss. This neighbor is the fucking best. And of course, it's a, an I Love Lucy type situation unfolds where like everything is wacky and gets fucked up. I love that like Wanda was like, uh oh, I cooked this, I cooked this chicken too much. And then she said, I gotta uncook it and it turned into eggs. My husband lost his mind at that. He thought that was the best gag. Also like it's one chicken. It didn't just turn into one egg was amazing. It turned into like a whole fucking two dozen eggs. It was spectacular. And because she had two dozen eggs, she's like, fuck it, I'm gonna make breakfast for dinner. Because she had this whole thing of, I'm from Europe. Because she is. Uh, and I really enjoyed, what's the heart on my calendar for? And she's like, you're a computer, you should fucking know. And he's like, I don't. I guess it's our anniversary. So they get their wires crossed. And, oh, it's so good. I loved all the wackiness in this show. It could just be this wacky shit for like 
13 episodes and I will be 100% satisfied. But there is an undercurrent of darkness here where the boss starts choking. Vision saves him. The boss really starts choking, but Kitty is telling him, oh, stop it. She's trying to correct his lines. Kitty and the boss know they're on a television show. It's very odd in that way, which made me and my husband come to some conclusions about what the hell's going on here. We only watched the first episode of WandaVision. We'll definitely check out the second one and talk about it with the boys. If you don't want predictions, now's your time to bounce out, and thanks for hanging out. If you're ready for the predictions, here it goes. At first, I was thinking, this is Wanda's happy place. Wanda has a ridiculous amount of power. She can do whatever she wants. She erased all of the mutants. She gave her dad exactly what he wanted. She made a universe where everything everybody wanted came true. That was called House of M. Definitely read those comics. They're really fun. You don't really need to read any anything to get you all caught up and ready for WandaVision. Like, there's no reading list to get you ready for this. But House of M is a good book just to read because it's a really fun story. Fun is probably not the word. It's a really good story. Um, so at first I was thinking Wanda's really like something's up with Wanda that she's in a place where she has to create her own her own happiness. So she created in her and Vision's minds this world where they're in a 50s TV show that maybe she used to watch as a kid. Maybe she used to watch a lot of I Love Lucy as a kid and it was her comfort show. And she decides I want to be in that show. I want to live that life in order to cope with the fact that I'm in a place I'm not happy. She was her and her brother were locked up for a while, so I'm assuming she might have been locked up again for the safety of America, right? Is because Shield was trying to be too hands-on with everybody's safety. Another suggestion brought up by my husband is one that I didn't even think about, which to makes total sense. I didn't think about it because there's such a disconnect still between the X-Men universe and the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I forget that they're connected. And you forget that, oh yeah, they were purchased. They bought Fox in its entirety, which means, you know, if they want, maybe they can play the X-Men theme song during the movie. Just a thought. Mojo, the character of Mojo, uh, he's in the X-Men comics. He's His whole thing is that he's a space alien that owns a bunch of television networks. And he kidnaps heroes and forces them to do television shows in whatever genre he wants them to be in. It's always a gas with Mojo. He's a fun villain. He's not necessarily one that's going to change everybody's lives or wreak havoc in a bad way but he's fun and i think for a show like wandavision he'd be a great villain especially since the end of this episode sword is watching this show which makes sense of course sword would have access to the tv shows that mojo shows i'm not sure if sword was in captain marvel i believe it was but if it wasn't real quick uh, explanation sword is the shield for space and i believe iron man kind of foreshadowed the existence of sword and that's the way you could put the x-men in this universe it's either mojo or other universes we'll see I figured that you can also use Mojo for the Spider-Man movies since you're doing a whole thing where it seems like all the Spider-Men are going to meet each other. And yes, I get that they're doing a thing with multi-universes there and crossing over uh, through different universes. But why wouldn't Mojo be watching the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie? That's a good-ass movie. I think Mojo could solve a bunch of Marvel's problems. And they're not really problems, but I think Mojo is a good excuse to connect everything. We'll definitely see where this goes. And I'm very excited for episode two because I think we're going to get more clues in that episode. But hopefully it's more shenanigans like this because this was fucking hysterical. I genuinely had a smile on my face the entire time I was watching it. Thanks for hanging out.